Join us for this episode, season finale of the Teachers Who Quit podcast, season four. We are chatting with Crystal Speed, a former teacher turned chief people officer and HR strategist. We have spent this season learning all about different forms of entrepreneurship and what better to end this season about learning how once you step into entrepreneurship, what you can do to cultivate team and scale your business. Crystal is going to share her journey from the classroom to the world of HR and how she's using her skills and experiences as a teacher to disrupt harmful hiring practices in education and beyond. From equity and inclusion to talent management and employee development, Crystal will offer valuable insights and strategies for creating a more inclusive and supportive work environment. With 15 years of experience helping businesses big and small, Crystal has become convinced of one thing, everyone deserves to thrive at work. She enjoys being a thought partner and strategist to leaders, guiding the development of their people operations and culture so they can scale faster. She is a foodie, love traveling, and will drop everything she is doing to start dancing when DC Go-Go starts to play. Don't miss this inspiring discussion on the power of teacher skills and the potential for impact in the world of HR. Welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast, the number one podcast for teachers who quit or really want to. And I'm your host, Tierney, your ex-teacher bestie. Enjoy the show. Hello, Crystal, and welcome to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. I am so excited to have you on this episode of the Teachers Who Quit podcast. And I would love to actually hop right in and allow you an opportunity to really share about what brought you to education in the first place. Sure. Well, first of all, Tierney, thank you for having me. Um, it. Uh, my journey has been an interesting one, so I love, I love sharing it. But I'm um, thinking about education. Um, I feel like I always wanted to be a teacher. And um, as I learn more and more about myself, like really my gift is teaching. Um, and so it was just naturally who I was. And so when I went to college, I'm like, I'm going to major in education because all I ever want to do is be in the classroom and teach. Um, I also thought maybe I might want to do like curriculum development, but really I knew my place was going to be in the classroom my whole career. So I got my undergrad in elementary education, um, my master's, I went straight through and got my master's in curriculum and instruction, and then I started teaching and I loved it. It was, you know, hard at times, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, I taught four years in Fairfax County, Virginia, and then I decided I would go and pursue what I really wanted to do, and that was teaching in D.C. So I found the toughest school I could find, um, and it was tough. <laughs> it was tough. It really was. Um, and that's where I, I probably got, like, the... Uh, education myself in regards to, you know, teaching, um, just what good administration looks like and, um, you know, the joys and challenges of teaching. But yeah, basically I feel like I always knew I wanted to do teaching. And even though I'm not like in a classroom anymore, a lot of my teaching gifts follow me into what I do now. 
Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that background information. So four years you were in the classroom. Um, and with that, I would love to know a little bit about some of the different um, environments that you taught in. I know that you mentioned when you made the pivot to D.C., you wanted to teach in um one of the toughest schools, I believe you phrased it as. Um, and so with that, I would love to know, like, are we talking charter, public school? Tell us a little bit more private. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so public school. My um, All of my teaching career, per se, was in public school. And um, I'm a product of public schools. So I really believe in public schools. I did look at charter schools. I didn't really want to do private in um, graduate school, I had substituted at a private school, which I absolutely loved, but I really didn't feel like it was providing the challenge that I wanted. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, but public school was where I was, and I really believe in the public school system. So, Okay, great. Well, thank you for providing that context. I'm really curious as to um, tell us a little bit more about, like, what was going on on your particular campus where you had that first inkling, I'm thinking about maybe transition from teaching. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and it's interesting. I Well, I thought I was only going to take a break. I didn't think I was going to leave the field. <laughs> I was just going to take a break. But what was happening? Um, you know, definitely. And I, I just think it was a perfect storm in the wrong sense <laughs> or like in the most, um, you know, uh, the least positive sense. But um, so what happened was, I came to a school, um, it was a fairly new administration, and um, they were revamping a lot within the school, but half of the staff were new, half of the staff were um, pretty long-term teachers within that school. Also, the school had two different schools combined because one was under renovation. So you bring two different school cultures together, two different, I mean, it really felt like two different teaching staffs together and a leader who very much had, um, you know, she had definite priorities and I, I really bought into her vision, but um, not everybody on the staff bought into it. So it was just a lot of um, tension to say the least. And then, um, you know, classroom environment, I will say, um, you know, I, I think I'm a good teacher. I always thought I was a good teacher, but I was not prepared for what I went into. And um, I, I perhaps put myself into situations that I wasn't necessarily prepared for, nor did I really have the mentorship to support it. And so, um, again, I, I was really like, I'm going to take a break. And so what happened was, um, I was, I was just trying to get to spring break. I'm like, you know, let's just get to spring break. <laughs> and then like, you know, then it's coasting through the rest of the school year. Unfortunately, I did not make it to spring break. Um, I, I'm a, I'm actually a person of faith. I'm a Christian. I fasted for, oh, I think it was a three-day fast just for direction and strength and like that type of thing. At the end of the fast, I felt very led to quit. <laughs> and so I went into school um, that Monday and said, you know what? I, I'm going to have to put in my resignation. I was the sixth teacher that year who resigned from the school. Um, if that's any indication. And the principal ended up resigning before the end of the school year too. So that might be an indication of the school um, environment. And I do think, um, you know, part of it, and I, I felt this in some of your description about your podcast itself, about like shame that comes along with 
you know, am I failing as a person or as a teacher? Am I failing these kids by leaving and quitting the field? And I came to the realization I wasn't giving the, I wasn't giving them anything that great, you know? And so um, by me leaving, I, I was I felt like I was actually doing more good in the long run. One for my own like sanity and um, health, as well as kind of opening up the space for the people that really could um, be effective within that particular space. I do think I made an impact while I was there, but, and, you know, my other four years um, in Fairfax County, I I feel like that was definitely impactful as well. But again, I was just going to take a break. I was going to take the summer off. I had gotten a new job in a different school system um, in Maryland, and my dad invited me to work in his business for a period of time. He had a government contracting business and they needed help with recruitment of college students. And that was something I did, like for my alumni chapter, I did like college recruitment. So he's like, that's transferable. Just come over here and do this until you go back to the classroom. And I loved it so much, I never went back. I thought I might, but I never did. Okay, awesome. So yeah, you really painted a clear picture as far as <laughs> six people, six teachers piecing out, you know, and then the principal even says, I'm out of here. There definitely had to be some, um, a lot of different toxic things happening there to um, ultimately lead to that. And that's crazy because that's one thing I'm really passionate about. And even why I wanted to become a school leader is because I have experienced myself as a teacher, very toxic work environments. And I know that's something that you even talk about, like in your work, um, not necessarily right. just like rooted on education, but in what I've read from you and in your own podcast and different things like that. I have been able to really see like how the work that you are doing is really impacting a healthy work culture as a whole. And that is so important, but it's not prioritized enough by several different industries, but especially education. And so I think this is a really good segue to having you really share about when was your HR strategist kind of birthed? And then tell us a little bit about how are you using your business to disrupt harmful hiring practices in education and beyond? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, excellent question. So um, in 2000, so I had a, if you don't mind, let me talk a little bit about the journey because I didn't like, um, after teaching, I worked with my father um, for five years. So my sisters and I like really learned about entrepreneurship and that's where I um, honed my HR skills. But then after that, uh, it was a decrease in revenue. So I decided to go um, and try some other things. So after that, I did nonprofit leadership. Um, I worked with a summer camp in their HR um, function. I also did children's ministry for a while and and moved into a director of operations position at a church. And, um, you know, there were key themes that kept following me throughout. One was really being able to think about developing competencies within other 
individuals as well as organizations. And then also I have this project management and process improvement like bent towards me. And I, I actually kind of look at everything in a curriculum lens. I'm like, what's the framework around this? How do we build a program, a study, so to speak, <laughs> and um, really be able to impact change in these different spaces? So in 2018, um, I was just really kind of discerning what was next for me. And so that's when the business came about. And I had the HR background, but I also did like strategic planning and process improvement. So I was trying to find a way to put those together. And it wasn't until the pandemic um, when everyone moved to remote work um, and I saw a great need around really being able to resource leaders around how are they um, attracting the right people into their organization, how are they engaging them and taking care of them well, and also investing in their development and growth. And so that's really where your HR strategist um, formalized and crystallized for me. Um, I had it since 2018, but it wasn't until the pandemic where I'm like, okay, I see how this can work. And so I actually went into the business full time then. I would say the business is still evolving, but um, you know, the, the premise that uh, we operate from currently is everyone deserves to thrive at work. So being able to do work that um, is meaningful and impactful where they're in an environment where they're valued and respected and where barriers are removed as much as possible to allow them to really be able to, um, I will say, shine in their zone of genius and being able to do what they are gifted and uniquely like um, skilled to do within that particular environment. And so I think a lot of times the reason why workplaces aren't set up for people to thrive is because one, there isn't strategy around it. We're usually building as we go or trying to retrofit something into an organization. Like once we see some unhealthy tendencies coming out, also not really focusing in on culture. And so culture is being built and um, evolving all the time. And um, not everyone is intentional about really understanding that that's taking place and understanding how um, team dynamics, bringing new people in, people leaving, how all of those impact culture. And then I also believe in systems and how good systems and process and procedures can really support and, you know, allowing a person to be unleashed within their zone of genius as well. So that's what we focus on, really helping leaders think about their people, their culture, and their systems so that they can create these thriving workplaces. And so I mentioned, um, you know, part of my work over the last several years has been working um, with a school that has a summer camp. So I help them hire about 250 people each summer for the summer camp portion. So that's actually fulfilling to me. I'm like, okay, I get some interaction with kids. I'm making sure at least they're getting some good role models over the summer and that type of thing. But also um, I've started working with uh, private schools in regards to thinking about um, their HR as well. And I think, you know, definitely when we look at this kind of post-pandemic world, and especially within teaching, there are things that um, probably were always antiquated and that needed to be, you know, modernized. Um, and I think the schools that 
public-private charter, the schools that are going to be successful are those that are able to, um, you know, be able to, like, think innovatively about this and how do they bring a modern lens to the education that they provide to their students. I love that. From people to processes that you are speaking truly um, my language. Um, I have, like I said, always been into like school culture, work culture as a whole and thinking about um, really how can I create this healthy because I do not like the word positive because in education it immediately goes toxic positivity. That's all that I hear. That's all that I hear. And I'm just like, it gives me the ick. That's what's rolling on socials nowadays. And I have the major ick when folks are like positive, positive. No. So I just like to use the term healthy. And so when I think about like consulting with schools, a lot of my work in the past has truly been focused on how can I serve and develop um, the teachers directly as far as like my big thing is I've always had the strength of building classroom culture and classroom management. But now I have shifted and and it's naturally gone with me even moving from the classroom to a leader to now as an education consultant, I'm really focusing on working directly with the leaders and how can they proactively put structures in place to actually create a healthy school culture from, you know, that systemic level, like within every single little operational tasks that you really have um, within your school day. And so as you were talking about that, I, I really resonated with what you're doing and something that I wanted you to be able to highlight too, because we have a lot of um, former educators or those who are currently side hustling on their own business, um, but a lot of them are full-time entrepreneurs as I've had the pleasure to interview a lot of them. And even since the podcast has launched, which we, we've come up on just one one year um a lot of folks have moved to really being able to create their own you know businesses successfully and so i would love if you could talk a little bit about um when you're thinking about these uh teacherpreneurs as they call them or edupreneurs um who have left the classroom and become these ceos i want to hear from you on how can they really champion equity within their workplace um as far as when as them building out their own business um and also speak a little bit to like maybe one best practice to also be really inclusive in the culture that you're building um as ceo well, so that is a great question, and I actually, and it might, uh, the response I might give you might be one that you weren't imagining right off, but I do think in the journey of entrepreneurship, self-awareness is key, right? And I think kind of dealing with some of those aspects of things that you've always assumed about yourself or about the way that things are done, being able to kind of investigate those a little bit. Um, What has really helped me in thinking about being able to build a workplace culture where my people can thrive is being able to think about, okay, my own personal habits, my own leadership, as well as those those places that I've worked before and some things we've taken as, oh, it's just always been that way. And so we bring toxic, toxic habits into the organization, not even knowing really that they're toxic. One thing is like, um, 
you know, oh, I can just do that myself and not delegating like, or nobody can do it like me. No, boo, no one can do it like you. That's fine. But someone can do it really, really well, right? And they might even do it better or differently. Um, and I think being able to, um, you know, just kind of think about what are those things that either are core beliefs that I have and seeing are these core beliefs that need to follow into um, the build this business that I'm building or is there some work I need to do around these core beliefs? Also looking at what are those things that I've held as truths that aren't necessarily truths and being able to, again, investigate that a little bit. I mean, I think um, some of the trends that we're seeing in the workplace, such as quiet quitting or acting your pay, all of those things, um, although I understand where they come from, I feel like those are like those are responses that aren't necessarily the healthiest responses to instead like how do we engage in like this kind of healthy conflict around you know quiet quitting maybe I just need to quit <laughs> you know that type of thing or acting my pay maybe you know it's time to advocate and let people know that you know what I'm not doing you know this particular role does have this um, compensation associated with it. So I went off on a little tangent, but let me go back to the fact that like some of the things that we see that are happening is because leaders have brought in these, um, you know, either traditional antiquated or um, not so healthy ways of react relating to one another because that's how they saw it when they were employees somewhere else. And this is actually an opportunity for you to flip the script and say, I understand that I had um, managers in the past, I had bosses in the past that may have done things that were, um, that seemed like that's just the way they're always done, but there's a better way to do it. And part of it is kind of getting clear on how has your past impacted it? Because workplace trauma is a thing and we can bring it into the next um, season if we're not careful. And I really, I feel like I'm constantly learning and relearning myself and always having to like look at the stories I'm telling myself in my head. I'm like, is that really true? <laughs> or did you just start believing that because you saw so many people doing it or that just seems to be like the trend? Like really being able to um, have some serious conversations is going to help in the long run. And I also think getting your own self grace is going to be helpful because you mo you're then going to model that. So as a solopreneur, what you're doing as habits and norms will follow you into when you're building your team. So I think it's a great time when you don't have a team to start like thinking about reframing and um, you know reconditioning ourselves a little bit so that we are um, modeling these positive attributes um, or healthy attributes so that when we do move to like building a team, it's not like we are relearning as we're also leading. I hear you, and that that's really great. Um, I, I really liked what you shared on your take when it comes to quiet quitting. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about quiet firing, which I'm also seeing popping up here mm -hmm. and there, because mm -hmm. um, I know that happens heavy. Um, but anyways, I, I appreciate your viewpoint on quiet quitting, because you mentioned um, Maybe you should just go ahead and quit or acting your wage instead. Maybe you should speak up for yourself and advocate and say that the scope of my work has changed. 
I'm going to need X, Y, and Z increase in my pay and my salary. And if they can't meet you there, head elsewhere. You know, take your talents mm-hmm. elsewhere. Um, but anywho, um, that's very funny just because my last episode, the finale of season three, was centered around quiet quitting. And I felt very strongly about it. I still have the same viewpoint because I... <laughs> Truth be told, I consider myself to be a quiet quitter. I mean, I do what is expected of me. I do the work that I signed on to do, and I'm going to head on out when my contract time is up um, Mm -hmm. because I am still, you know, working a nine-to-five per se in addition to building up my um, business. And I've even flipped it where, you know, when people ask me what I do, I go to, yeah, I'm the CEO of Tierney Richardson Consulting. I'm an education consultant. On the side, what I do is run this school. So, um, and that's just a reframe that I do for me because that's where I'm going to be ultimately. But, um, again, I appreciate your your thoughts on that. And it's, it's really great to hear your perspective. And so I would like to talk a little bit about talent management so we said quiet firing and then i want to talk a little bit about um your viewpoint on talent management or maybe some best practices there because again i'm thinking about what you were saying when you sell when you reflect on your own leadership or um you know your own core values and beliefs and etc and you're like Oh, I'm I'm scared to delegate this task or I'm over micromanaging my virtual assistant assistant who I asked to come on and help me with my TPT resource creation. I, I can hear that right now. Or maybe they're still scared to even bring in a VA because they can't do the thumbnail cover image for TPT. And I just use TPT because they love to run to that. Soon as they think of a side hustle, TPT is the only thing teachers think. And, you know, they can do much more than that. Um, but, yeah, talk a little bit about talent management. Maybe speaking to that, you know, side hustler who is wanting to full-time transition out of the classroom, but might be a little bit afraid to delegate out to the VA or might be afraid to even hire on a VA to begin with and feel that they can just carry the weight of their business, even though that's not sustainable. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is I, I think it's really important for us to get clear on like our strengths, right? Um, cause I, I feel like I, I fell into this as a, when I was a solopreneur myself, it's like, oh, okay, well I'm a learner. And if, you know, most teachers are learners, they're going to figure it out. Right. And, you know, I wasted so much time trying to figure things out myself. And I, I remember one instance, um, it was for like, um, my CRM and I'm like, I'm going to get this thing together. And finally I went to Fiverr and hired a VA specifically for this CRM and he got it together in no time flat. And I'm like, why? I waited a year. (laughs) Okay. I could have just put a couple hundred dollars into this and it would have been done in a week, you know? And so I do think sometimes it's understanding what our strengths are and not being afraid to make an investment because in the long run, it's actually a better investment. A year of my time (laughs) versus a week of a VA's time. Like, Come on. It's a no brainer. Right. And so I do think, you know, being able to also think about kind of big picture where the investments need to be made in your business. Um, One thing that I have, you can't see it, but like on my board um, behind my desk, I have like my 
dream team and a list of people that I want to hire, knowing that, you know, it might be two years before I hire that person, but I know what I'm working for. I have my dream team listed because I know what I need in my business in order to um, help it get to the next level. Now, if you don't know what you need in your business, a really good activity is to really think about what are those tasks that need to be done and just listing out those tasks and then classifying them, chunking them together into what role they might be again and then prioritize again you know it might be I can't hire this person um, you know for 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 like two or three years or maybe I can only hire them for a specific project well that that is going to get you further than trying to like you know take all of the online courses that are going to help you develop this competency you're only going to get frustrated and it's going to take so much longer to get that done so i i believe in paying for support um when you can and that might mean making a faith investment you know but um sometimes those things are needed um so i guess did I answer your question? <laughs> I feel like I yeah, because even when you're talking about making investments, I think about even how I found you. We are in, you know, for those who are listening, we're in Rachel Rogers Club. We should all be millionaires. I need an affiliate link. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, um, I was going through there, and there's a lot of former teachers in that group. <laughs> and I came across Crystal, and I said, well, go ahead and shoot my shot send her a pitch and see if she can come on the podcast and she was I was so excited because she was so willing um to come on and I appreciate you for um yeah. doing that and so again why were we in that club because it gave us a, a quicker way to get what we needed to get um Crystal just shared with you all who are listening one year versus one week for VA I know when I'm in the because I'm in this club Whatever I need, really, considering my business and as it grows, it's available to me in that club. I don't have to try to Google my way or YouTube my way or hope my TikTok FYP hits on the right person, you know, to give me what I need to get. Like, it's a streamlined, expedited way to get results. And, and I love that. And if you want to, you know, again, build a sustainable business it's really important that you are managing your time and your energy well. And that goes back to what Crystal is saying about making sure that you are leaning into your strengths and those areas of weakness. You can go ahead and find someone else who has that as a core strength so you can remain in your zone of genius. And, and Crystal had mentioned that earlier, but I really learned about that honing in on zone of genius from the club and from something that right. Rachel has shared. And I have been so committed to that ever since. And speaking of um, talent management and hiring out that way, um, there's some tasks that I can do in my business, but I was actually very much inspired by a lot of the work and resources that you share crystal. And I, you will be proud to hear that I did hire a couple of folks right at the tail end of 2022. And so, you know, we're at the top of the new year. So um, they've been with me for honestly about four weeks now. And it's been really great freeing me up because again, I'm still working that nine to five, but some of these remote repeated tasks that I'm doing, I have been able to 
and you know with a lot of prayer because you know I am a faith-based lady as well and the Lord has really worked on me to just release the reins of control and set them up for success I have strong SOPs because I'm all about my systems um, but you know when I had them set up for success they took it and ran with it and it's been a really great experience I have four folks now who I'm working with, which is crazy. I went from what? <laughs> Zero, basically to four. And one of them is editing this podcast. So praise <laughs> the Lord. Um, well, congratulations on that. <laughs> and one thing I would say is I, I think, you know, as we are getting comfortable with being able to delegate and bringing new people into our business, um, what has helped me is being transparent. Like, I, I know that I can be anal about certain things or some things I might explain and, you know, I explain it as second nature. And so I might need to re-explain again. So I'm very transparent in the beginning. Like one, if you have questions, make sure you ask those questions. Two, you know, um, I, I like things a certain way, you know, and so sometimes it's going to be a challenge for me to let some of that go. And so sometimes, especially like with certain people, I'm like, just tell me, like, if you got this, tell me like, Crystal, I don't need any more direction. I got this, you know? And so I think by having that relationship, one understanding kind of like how I can be about certain things, like certain things I could care less, like you go do it, just get it done. Other things I, 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 I like to be more hands-on with, but understanding you're not going to be like fully released to do your best work. If I'm like hovering over you, please provide that feedback so that I know to kind of like, you know, uh, you know, slide back a little bit and let you really be able to do your job well. And so I think some of that is a learning process. And it's nice when people have permission, people on my team have permission to like also remind me like, hey, Crystal, I got this. <laughs> you go do what you're supposed to do. I got this. So, and yeah. I don't, I'm not offended by that. So I think that's helpful. Uh, 100% I agree and so one of the last things that I wanted to touch on was employee development because um, and you've talked about that a little bit I think in and of itself like giving feedback when you're having one-on-ones you know with your um, employees and different things like that and um, encouraging them to advocate for whatever they need or speak up for themselves simply saying, hey, I got it. I don't need any more support. But um, when it comes to, you know, really thinking about employee development and ways that we can create this inclusive and supportive work environment, um, what would you share would be like one big hot tip that folks can take with them as they're building out their businesses, as they may be looking to transition to um, business full-time or even just bring on a side hustle and, and, and partnering with other contractors who they might work with or, again, a VA or whatever. What do you um, sh what do you believe to be, like, one other way that they can really invest in their employees' um, development, even as they're probably thinking about reflecting on their own teaching experience and how they maybe didn't even have opportunities for growth or professional development themselves. <laughs> yeah, so I think a big thing is um, just being able to give consistent feedback and like that FaceTime, whether it's virtual or in person, is really important. I lean a lot on 
I was in the classroom only five years, four and a half years, but I lean a lot on what I learned in the classroom as a teacher. You know, when you think about if you're going to support your students and think about individualized and differentiated learning, that's how I approach my employees too. Thinking about, okay, I need to be really clear on expectations, you know, so that they know what success looks like. And I'm also going to be checking in regularly and providing like, you know, evidence-based um, kind of assessments and feedback around how you're doing. So transfer some of that, what you've done in the classroom to um, the employee experience. Everybody craves feedback. They want to know how they're doing. And believe it or not, I mean, research shows there, is many, there are many studies on this from an HR perspective that um, individuals definitely want to know when they aren't meeting the mark. And so a lot of times we, we, we like avoid that. I mean, because it's awkward to tell someone like, hey, you didn't really do that very well or you didn't meet expectations. But it's a necessary conversation. And sometimes that comes to like, maybe the expectations weren't clear or definitely maybe I was providing this in a way that is, um, that I take in information, not understanding that individuals take in information so many different ways. Again, from my education days, I understand, like usually when I see um, employees struggling, I'm like, okay, let me make sure I know their work style. You know, maybe we're providing something that is in a work style that's different from them. How am I providing feedback? Is it feedback that is the most useful and helpful and receptive to them? And also understanding, you know, uh, thinking about accommodations, right? You do that in the classroom, they should carry over into the workplace. I mean, we have laws around accommodations in the workplace. So understanding like a lot of what you experience with kids, you're gonna experience with adults too. And um, you know, I just reframe it to the work environment, but a lot of those same skills follow into um, running a business and specifically in the HR function. I would say like, you know, understanding that sometimes especially understanding what you do best, it may be like, oh, as soon as I'm ready to hire in my business, I'm going to need like more of an operations person who is having these conversations with people and really helping develop. I can give direction and vision as CEO, but I'm gonna have other members of my team who are well-equipped and gifted in this area to be able to support them. But yes, um, I'll go back to feedback is super, super important. And the way that I provide feedback to one um, employee may be a little different than the other, but I am going to be consistent. Also like the just regular check-ins are so important. Um, so yes, hope we get that back. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Crystal. You have shared so much great insight. Um, I have again been so grateful that you were willing to come on the podcast for those who are listening crystal's information is going to be linked in the description below or in the show notes of this episode all about our former teacher turned chief people officer and focused on how you can disrupt harmful hiring practices um, by utilizing the best strategies from your HR strategist, Crystal Speed. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thank you and take care. 
Thank you for listening to the Teachers Who Quit podcast. Keep listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave us a review to get a shout out on our socials. And remember to shamelessly choose you.